The first reading is from 1 Samuel, the third chapter. Now the boy, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim <clears throat> so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell his vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me, of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan, Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The psalmody for today is Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Oh, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have, got, have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory, Glory to you, Lord. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip and Philip found Nathanael and he said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and he said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the gospel of our Lord. Just a few minutes ago, I was reminded of 
of all the days that I have personally lived through and can't remember myself. You know, you come on over, beautiful. Um, I can tell you about those days, but not because the images and voices are my own. I can tell you about those days because others who are better able to remember them have told me. They have told me about the younger me. There'll probably be a day when we'll tell stories to these guys about this day, that they were here and they lived it, but they won't remember it. This is cool. Hmm. My father, my father's name was Elkanah. My mother is Hannah. I'm Samuel. My father's a good man. He really loves and cares for my family. He, he would bring the family to the Lord's tabernacle in Shiloh every year so that we could offer thanks and praise to God, so that we could present sacrifices along with prayerful confession, seeking the Lord's forgiveness and guidance and blessing. My mother, Hannah, well, she didn't always see herself as good, For years, she could not conceive and bear a child. She was barren. She prayed. She confessed. She worked to be a good wife and a faithful believer of the Lord, but still she was barren. My father's other wife, Peniah, she was conceiving and presenting one child after another to my father. It was a blessing to the family but it became a curse to my mom. See, Penina, she, she ridiculed my mother. She constantly reminded my mother of her inability to bear a child. She said hurtful words to my mom. She said heartbreaking words to my mother all the time. She would hold her children with prideful expressions on her face, like, see what I've been blessed with and see how you're cursed. There were many dark and difficult years for my mom. Until one year when my dad and my family and the rest and everybody, they went to Shiloh like they did every year. They would go to the tabernacle and they would offer their thanks and praise to God. They would present their atoning sacrifices for their sins. But this year when the worship was complete, my mother stayed She stayed outside the tabernacle entrance. There on her knees, she prayed. She begged God. She was weeping bitter tears. She was begging God to bless her with a son. And she vowed to the Lord that the Lord would open her womb and give her a son, that she would dedicate that firstborn son to him that her son would be consecrated as a servant of the Lord all his life. The high priest who was watching my mom, he thought she was drunk at first, her commotion. But when he heard her prayer, when he learned of her heartache, the priest said to her, woman, go in peace. The God of Israel will grant you your prayer request. And it happened as he said. Within months, my mom was blessed with a child. She was blessed with strength to survive the delivery of a son, me. 
My father, well, he honored her promise to the Lord that day. When I was weaned, somewhere around three years old, she took me to Shiloh, to the high priest, and there she dedicated me to the Lord's service. She said, you are a Nazarite for life. Eli, the priest, who had become my spiritual father, he remembers that day with clarity, though I do not. He said, said Samuel, your mother was overwhelmed with joy and pride as she presented her son to the Lord. Samuel, she celebrated the Lord fulfilling his promise to her with you. And then he said, Samuel, she was also overwhelmed with tears and sadness because she left you with me and she walked away from her son of promise. Eli said to me, said, Samuel, I learned a lot about prayer and promise and promise keeping from your mother. Samuel, her story, it will be shared for generations. You know, she would only see me once a year. She would see me when they would come to Shiloh to offer the Lord thanks and praise and make her atoning sacrifices. I saw her once a year, but I treasured those visits. Every year she'd bring me a new robe, anticipating how I would grow in size. She would craft that robe and give it to me, and also at least one other gift that I could remember her. I held those gifts near and dear. And I thank God for gifts. I thank God for Eli. He remembered my story. And he made sure that I would remember that story. Eli, he is a special man. I bet you didn't know this, but no one else, no one else has been entrusted with the task of God to be both the judge for his people and the high priest on his behalf. No other person. Eli was special. I would watch him day after day, listen to the legal challenges and personal feuds of the people when they would be brought before him to hear as the judge so they could prayerfully make decisions on behalf of the Lord. I can tell you that was a weight that few in the world will ever understand or appreciate. It was hard on him. I watched him year after year stand between the people and the Lord in the tabernacle in prayer. I watched him offer the people's sacrifices to the Lord. I asked, I would watch him trust the Lord, that the Lord would love and forgive. I watched him teach the people to love the Lord and obey. Some were relieved by his judgments and his prayers. Some were blessed by his judgments and his intercessions. Others, they would never seek retributions. They would never seek confession and being right with the community. They would just go about their world being bitter and resentful 
complaining and ugly for life. For many years, he alone had the responsibility of judge and priest. Sometimes he had to tell the people, people that he knew and loved, that what they were doing, that what they were saying, that how they were living, that it was sinful and that they need to stop. He had to tell them the truth of their sin because he loved God. He had to tell them the truth of their sin because he loved them too. Sometimes, many times, they didn't see his word as love. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They wanted to live how they wanted to live. They wanted to control Eli, and they wanted to control the God that Eli served. And they would put their appetites and their lusts and their pride, they would put that ahead of the one that they would call Lord. It never made sense to me how they could say Lord and not live in obedience. I watched Eli lose lifelong family friendships because of his dedication to the Lord. I watched Eli judge for God and priest for God, do what he did day in and day out. And you know, I think, I think he experienced the Lord's wounded heart as he interceded for the people. His life taught me so much. Eli taught me about creation. He taught me that there was a time when the earth and sun and moon and the stars and all that life that I see around me, that there was a time when that did not exist. But then God spoke. What power, what wisdom beyond our capacity to ever understand how God could create what he created. And he taught me that there was a time when I did not exist. And he also reminded me that God spoke and a family conceived and the world was to receive me. Eli made sure that I understand that we take God's word seriously. Eli made sure that I understand that my wants, my hungers, my cravings, my goals, my ideas and agendas, the things that I think might be right or wrong, that they really don't matter compared to God's holy and perfect will. Eli said, Samuel, you don't don't have to understand God's word. And you don't have to like obeying God's word. Samuel, he said, you are to still trust God and obey his word. Eli made sure I understood. He made sure that I understood that I am not the God who created it all, that he is God, he is Lord, and I am not. I'm not even remotely close to the wisdom and the power of God, that every breath I breathe is dependent upon God, that he could start my life and end my life in a blink. He is God. 
And my life is a gift from God. And he would say to me, child, son, trust God. Obey God's word. Eli taught me so much about God's word. He gave me a pure personal example of obedience at any cost for almost 40 years until until he had to confront his own two sons. You know, Eli endured a lot of loss because of his service to the Lord. Because of his office, he felt relenting world weight and pressure. I don't think that he had the ability to endure the loss of his sons. The weight upon him of presenting his son Hophni and his son Phinehas to present his two sons with God's word, knowing that they would potentially resent him, knowing that if he told them God's truth and God's expectations, that they might reject him, and that having told them this, that they might even kill him and take his place. I think he had enough strength to confront them and expose their sexual sins. I think he had enough love to confront them with their pride and their greed and their misuse of the Lord's life and and offerings that they were to manage on his behalf. But Eli, he didn't have the strength to restrain their sinful appetites. And he failed to remove them as priests. He was the Lord's appointed judge. He was the Lord's appointed high priest. He had the authority and he had the responsibility to restrain and to remove them. And he failed. He failed to love the Lord God first and most. He failed to trust God and obey God's word. One day, a prophet of God came to that tabernacle. We'd never seen him before. Didn't know where he'd come from or where he went. But that day he told Eli that because Eli had failed to restrain his sons, because Eli I had failed to, reach, to return the tabernacle to holy things and righteousness and to have his sons leave their priestly office because they would refuse to repent and confess... Because of that, God was going to include Eli into his son's punishment. He was told that all the men in his family for generations would die young, that no man in his family, none of his sons or their sons would live to old ages because of this sin. And more than that, that Eli's family, it would lose its honor of being in the priestly line forever. That's really not what I had hoped my first interaction with the Lord in his tabernacle would would be about. I can tell you that my hope the first time I'd be able to hear the Lord's voice and experience him is because 
He was going to reveal to me his delight and, and his love and his good plans of blessing his people, of all the good things he has in store. Instead of that, my first visit of the Lord, he revealed to me his heartache and his sorrow at the continued decisions of Eli as he compromised his office as judge and priest because of his sons. I was told to confirm the prophet's message to Eli, every word. For whatever it's worth, Eli took the message the Lord gave to me as well as anybody could. Eli said, he said, it is the Lord. Let the Lord do what seems good to him. Well, I did, and I had to leave soon after. It was not safe for me to stay there near his two sons. But before I left, Eli said to me an old and familiar truth. Samuel, he said, you don't have to understand God's word. Samuel, he said, you don't have to like obeying God's word. With great sincerity, Samuel, do what I failed to do every day of your life. Trust God. Obey God's word. That is what you are made and dedicated to do. I share this story today because that is what you, you the people of God, that you are made and dedicated to do as well. This day and for the rest of your life, trust God and obey his word, whether you understand it or like it, or not. Let us declare our faith. We'll use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And we will pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Gracious Heavenly Father, you are Lord of our beginnings and our endings. You are Lord of all that lies in between. We praise you for the ways in which you find us, even when we want to hide. We praise you for how you have poured out upon us blessing after blessing, whether we're aware of it or grateful for it or not. You know, you have reached out to us and you come to us. You have spoken to us, Lord. Help us to commit ourselves to you.
Help us commit ourselves to Jesus and to the family he has called us to be a part of. Lord, help us to be members of his body, this church, to represent you in our homes and in our communities. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus, help us to discern your will as individuals and as your church. Help us to give honor and glory to you, to be challenged enough that we have to rely on you, that you would mature us and grow us in faith so that we could reveal you to the world around us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We hold before you, Lord, the joys that you have blessed us with, our families, our church, our friends, our world. Thank you. Lord, I want to give you thanks for the love between husbands and wives and ask you to bless all those who are celebrating anniversaries this week. And Lord, I ask a special blessing upon Alec and um, the Taylor, the new Taylor fan, Lord Catherine, that they are married yesterday and they started a new life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask you that you'd also hear our thanks that you share children with us for a time and a season. And Lord, we give you thanks that you shared Robert Warren with us for a time and a season. And Lord, that you've given us confidence that he gets to rest in peace in you at home now. Lord, I ask that you'd be with all those who celebrate birthdays this week. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of healing and hope, we ask that you would anoint those who are grieving with your comfort, that they will know your light even in times of darkness. That you anoint those who have broken bodies or spirit with your healing, that they may know you all the days of their lives to be a present help in their trouble. Lord, that you'd hear our prayers now for those we name and love before you. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.